church, family, theology, news, entertainment, evangelism. If it's Christian, then we're talking about it. This is the Mike Charleston Podcast. Hey everyone out there, this is Mike Charleston, and today I am joined with my beautiful wife, Sarah Charleston. Hello everybody. It's like deja vu all over again. Stop. We had to redo this part. But anyway, as usual, we are recording on a Monday afternoon, and of course it is raining out. The storm has pretty much passed away, so I, uh, passed away, that sounds weird, but passed over, and we hopefully won't lose power, so that would be good. Hopefully. All right, well, I hate redoing this all over again, but I think we're good. Okay, so anyway, babe, you weren't on the show last week, and so anything interesting that has happened in the last couple of weeks, we, we want to talk about it right here, so I, I know. And uh, so first and foremost, our two oldest went to the Christian Film, the Christian Worldview Film Festival, right? Right, in Georgia. They came back home the other day and they really enjoyed it. Rebecca really enjoyed it because Rebecca was the one that was really going. Got to meet lots of people and go to some pretty cool sessions and learn some new stuff, I think. Absolutely. No, she really, that's her thing. She likes, she wants to make some kind of video, some kind of movies to promote a good message about God and she learned a lot. She enjoyed that. This was just her, this was her element, you know, and so I'm glad she was able to enjoy it. Um, But anyway, part of that, a couple other families that we know had their kids there too. Right. And one of them we talked about last week was Cameron Tyndall and he was doing a score uh, music for, he submitted his music and he was one of the finalists. Now, I think in the last podcast, we mentioned that part. But so we kind of waited and we're kind of watching to see if he would win, because that'd be pretty cool if he won. You know, someone we actually know wins something pretty yeah. big. It's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. Christian Film Festival. So we watched and it was actually the first award given, according to Abigail and Rebecca. And mm-hmm. he was the first person on stage, which I hear he messed up. Sorry. Sorry, Cameron. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he got runner up. Yeah. Runner up. Yeah, that's right. Let's give him a hand. Woo-hoo. And uh, so that was pretty neat that he got he got runner up. And uh, so maybe that'll help. This is what he wants to do. Yeah. And that's he, really impressive because it was his first time doing it. So right. and, and it was kind of something out of his element, too. It was uh, he's not he was thinking he was going to do music for a short film. Right. And they gave him a documentary type thing. Actually, it was a promo video, I think. So he had never done anything, something like that. And he did it and got runner up. So yeah, kudos so for him. That was pretty cool. Yep. So shout out to Cameron. And, and and if you want more links, maybe we'll put another link to his website uh, again on the description below. But last week we put it on the, on the description. Okay. So same thing with Rebecca's movie. Maybe we'll put it on again since we're talking about it again. But this time he actually won an award. So that's cool. So congratulations, Cameron. That is, uh, that's, that's not easy to do. And a lot of people probably submitted, maybe not, maybe only five people did, but even if five people did, he made the top two and that's, that's pretty cool. So maybe this will launch him where he can help out. And I want to see you, Cameron, in the next Kendrick movie not the next one because that one's already done right but the one in the, the next future, one they're working on that's right i want to see him <laughs> as the music guy so that's pretty cool so anyway while we were also this week we kind of got some interesting news i don't know if it's good or bad news <laughs> i guess it's depending on perspective i don't know right but your parents were in wisconsin this this past week they, right. they were they visiting went family. up to visit my aunt and uncle for a week yeah there's uh, your mom's sister and in that process they called you one day yep. and told you what um well we were having bible study that night and my mom called and asked if I was sitting down, and so I sat down, and she said, well, we have some news. We are going to move up here. They are going to move to Wisconsin. Now, a little backstory. Some of you listeners out there may know this. 
I don't know if we've mentioned it, but they live with us. We built them an apartment behind our house and it, we slaved on that thing. We worked hard for them. We, we, we blood, sweat and tears into that place. Then it flooded three weeks later. (laughs) They had lived there three weeks. (laughs) And so we, we rebuilt it with the help of your brother-in-law. I mean, my my brother, yeah, your brother, my brother-in-law and uh, brought them back and uh, they are, are we're living there the last five years basically right so I kid about all the blood sweat and tears it was actually a lot of blood sweat and tears but <laughs> uh, maybe not tears but it was a lot of work to build that thing and uh, so they got the benefit of it for five years it was great having them here some of the time most of the time most <laughs> okay most of the time it's been good it's but been, honestly seem- once once the apartment was built, because for six months they were living in the house with us and that got a little old on it. It tested us a little bit and tested them too. But once the apartment was built, all was well. Right. All it's been was good. Well. So anyway, but the biggest news is that my wife has this, what, 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 are we going to have an argument on the air? No, <laughs> no she, a couple of years back, I, I read this book. And I, 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 it was an interesting book, but I didn't like his premise. It was, uh, I, it was the omnivore's dilemma. Now this guy is an evolutionist, not a Christian. And, but it was an interesting book on about who we are as humans and how we eat. And it was a very interesting book. And the one premise that he had was that people, poor people, and I guess I considered ourselves poor at the time and maybe still a little, I don't know, but he said that they can't eat healthy. And his biggest, compl- his, his biggest attack was on flour and sugar, right? Right. That was those d- are really cheap. And so if we wanted to take those out and right. put in vegetables and fruits, we can't afford to. Exactly. And it's like the, a lot of people would point out that you could go to McDonald's and get a burger and fries for like two bucks, right? You can right. go to the dollar menu. I don't know if you can anymore, but you can get a, a burger for a dollar, but you get a banana for a dollar and you can't, that's not going to be like lunch. And I was like, that's a little unfair. You, you, you got, you got to make these meals. Right. So anyway, we tried to do that for a whole month of just eating no flour whatsoever, no corn flour, no white flour, no any kind of flour and right. no sugar of any kind, really. Pretty much. I no mean, I think sugar. we, right. We allowed like honey. Right. And we added, uh, fruits, right. but, but you know, yeah. we're not no carb. Right. But it was no added sugar. And we did that for about a month and I was miserable at the end. And everybody else supposedly said they felt good. And it wasn't that bad. And it was really interesting because we got to learn to eat foods that we would usually not have because you just go to your go-to easy meals. And so. I like bread. Well, I, I like, like bread too. I like pasta. <laughs> I like bread. I think that's it's in the Bible. It's important. And I like the idea of, of bread and pasta, but I do understand that we go overboard somewhat and it is, it can be a little bit of a problem, especially when we're thinking of desserts. Yeah. Mmm. Donuts. That's what we've been thinking about. (laughs) All the kids have been thinking about lately is just flour and sugar, flour and sugar. And I look at the end of the day, we're not trying to start a new diet or anything like that. No, it's really just to give our bodies a break from so much processed stuff that we eat that's not good for you. Sure. So this is, we're not doing anybody's diet. We just kind of came up with this and it's for fun more than anything. Yeah. And I'm complaining the whole way through. So it's maybe not fun for everybody, but I wasn't making everybody do it. I just thought it would be cool to try. Well, come on. I mean, you did want to do the raw diet at first and we're like, no, at least we can have meat. Right. Well, I I thought going raw would be cool, but then you guys wanted dairy and meat in there. So we just decided. We do have growing teenage kids and, you know, cutting out meat and dairy was probably a no, no. They, they need to, they are already thin as it is. So I needed to lose a few pounds anyways. So I'll be curious in three weeks if I'm alive. And, uh, well, (laughs) it's, it's not that bad. We've been eating a lot of good things. We have been eating a lot of fruits and vegetables. Well, like the one night when I made a big salad and you finished and I said, are you still hungry? And you're like, no, I'm good. See? Did I say that? Yes. Okay. I don't remember that, but uh, (laughs) if you say so, that was probably true. I, 
I, I'm, I don't remember all the meals we've had. I remember eating a lot of smoothies so far. We've right. had a lot of smoothies. Of course, it's been hot here. It's hot. But when we have a smoothie for supper, it's kind of like I miss. And we can have potatoes and meat and other good carbs. So uh, carbs are what hold the world together, man. It makes people happy and stops wars. So we should just well, send we're still donuts eating, to people. We're still eating plenty of carbs. We no, have we, are. <laughs> we, have, we, we are. We have. We are. We eat vegetables with, with carbs. We eat potatoes. We eat fruits. So we got plenty, plenty of carbs. Uh, that's not the problem. But I do think eating bread is very biblical. Yes, I know it's a different kind of bread. We didn't have the same bread, but come on, man. We, he's the bread of life, right? Right. I love bread and I, I feel like bread. it's very important. And Jesus fed people bread and he calls himself the bread of life. So yes. bread's very important and we'll eat it again soon. When is soon? Well, next month. Next. Well, th- yeah. Okay. So here's the kicker. Uh, we live in a little town outside of, uh, I of, can't believe you're going there. Uh, oh yes, I'm going there. We're, we live in a, a little town outside of Baton Rouge and we don't have much action in the town. It's like, there's a few restaurants, there's a, they're trying to grow, but they have their rules and it makes it hard for things to come in. Anyway, there is an ice cream shop opening up tomorrow. I should have never showed you that. That was, I, <laughs> I was thinking it was next month, and I was like, oh, wait, it's it's Tuesday the 10th, and the prices are actually reasonable. They got soft serve, they've got scoop ice cream. Shakes, shakes malts. Shakes, malts, you floats. name it. Oh, yes, floats even. <laughs> I was like, this is incredible, and it's not too far from our house because Dairy Queen moved out and is no longer here. Yeah. So we got an ice cream place right around the corner, and I, my one weakness is ice cream. Well, just think of how nice it'll be. All the oh, anticipation nice. when we finally get to go. What if they close? Uh, we can't. We can't eat. It. I'm sure they can last a month. A month, okay. They'll, they'll last a month. We'll we'll be there for their second grand opening. <laughs> so anyway, no, that that's that, look. <laughs> I need to lose a little bit of weight, but when I say I need to lose a little little bit of weight, not that much. Like I'm 170 here. Well, that's why we're just doing a month, not six months. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to try this, but uh, I'm not going down happy. But don't you feel better? No, I feel hungry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> then eat more eggs. They're filling. Well, see, okay, so here's the other problem with this. I love eggs. And we got COVID back in January. February, yeah. February. Okay, it was at the end of January, February. And ever since then... Um, I lost my smell, but I never lost my taste. And at some point when it was coming back and even a little bit further, I don't know when this happened. And some of our kids, they have the same sensation. I cannot eat eggs anymore. Now they were kind of sick of eggs, but I love eggs. I'll eat an egg for breakfast. I'll eat an egg for lunch. You give me an egg for supper. I'll eat eggs. I love eggs. Now, just the other day, I was wondering, hey, me and Jeremiah both said, hey, these <laughs> eggs taste good. Is it back to normal? But we haven't tested it since. Well, those did have potatoes. Yes, cheese. Grilled onions, cheese, and Canadian bacon that I all chopped in there and sauteed for a while. So yes. it wasn't just eggs. It, it, normally, I get that. But sometimes when you make the 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 eggs with the Canadian bacon and cheese anyways... Mm-hmm. I can still smell it when you're cooking. I know you come up and you're like, "Hey, yes. what's that smell?" Oh, it's just that certain <laughs> smell. And and people who have had COVID and when they get back, their smell and taste a little bit. They say that peanuts, coffee, chocolate, eggs, a couple other things, milk maybe, don't taste the same. Right. And I'm hoping it comes back because. That's the only thing that I can't really taste, except for maybe Brussels sprouts, but that's all right, because I never liked them. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, when, when my wife cooks Brussels sprouts, oh my goodness, uh, it makes me want to leave the house. It's a test of character for sure. <laughs> it, it, it smells like dirty diapers. That's what it smells like. And it's like 50 kids were in the house. So it is terrible. <laughs> but they're delicious, so no, that's okay. Oh, kids love them, though. So anyway, we are going to, speaking of getting out of the house, we are going to be talking about divorce 
today, and does God really hate divorce? Now, that sounds like a, a weird question, but we'll explain it in a little bit. But other than that, I don't think we have anything else we want to share except for, well, I'll share a little bit as we talk because we just finished our Bible study in Galatians also and uh, had an interesting uh, conversation with someone, but maybe I'll share it when we're talking about divorce. So anyway, let's, let's go ahead and get out of this segment and we'll come back in just a second. You're listening to the Mike Charleston podcast. back and I'm back here with my wife and so quickly just on our last segment there we were we were talking about no flour and no sugar and just one little add-on thing here <laughs> just can't get over it right but we were talking about this at, at church the other day at fellowship here and one of our friends donuts came into the shop he had six donuts oh wow throughout the day he okay. said it was throughout the day. I thought that was funny. I'm not saying your name, but uh, uh, but anyway, I thought that was great. But I was saying, man, I love the thought of donuts, but the that would have been a good time for you, Joshua. But anyway, no, I love the thought of donuts, but honestly, I eat one, and if I try to eat one more, it actually hurts me. Like right. I'm not feeling very well. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, that wasn't a problem. So kids. Beware, it's going to come one day. You just can't eat the same things. But uh, but anyway, I still like fried chicken and, and all that. But Okay, so let's get into the subject. So we are going to be talking about, does God hate divorce? Now that sounds like a pretty straightforward question. I know most people are out there going to be like, well, of course he does. Well, I think so too. But So there goes the answer. You can hang up right now and you can go to the next podcast, right? Well, so here's what... Uh, got me going onto this, this thought was I saw a Facebook post of someone, uh, they, they said when, when someone is going through a separation or divorce, they need your support and love, not judgment and criticism. And that was, and that's, that's, that's kind of true. And, right, I was going to say, you probably would agree with that, right? Sure. I'm not, we're not going to sit there and judge and criticize our, we'll talk about what our responsibility is as Christians. Uh, there's way too many people who just, you know, put their finger up or not their finger up, the nose up, you know, and they they say, we have nothing to do with you because this is terrible. Well, that, that's not that. But anyway, she had a, she went on that and went to her little Facebook page and she says, the Bible does not say God hates divorce and nowhere does it say God hate, hates people who are divorced. Neither does it say being divorced is a sin. The church, along with those who claim to be Christians, would do well to follow the same thinking. The only problem with that is it's not true. Right. It's just not true. Yeah. So when she says the Bible, it, Bible does not say God hates divorce, she's wrong. Right. It does say that, actually. Yep. Uh, when she says it's not a sin, it actually is. Yep. We'll, we'll cover that here in just a bit. It actually is a sin. And does God say he hates people who are divorced? Depends. <laughs> it depends. Are you right. a believer? Are you an unbeliever? God, uh, God loves everyone, and he, he sent Jesus for everyone, right. and everyone needs to come to Christ. And even after we come to Christ, there are people who make bad decisions yep. and make mistakes. And does God hate them for making bad decisions and, and making mistakes? No, of course not. Right. He wants to love them, and, and, and we'll talk about our responsibility here, but it, it just, it seems like the, the big problem here is that the, a lot of excuses come into to play. So when you are actually going through something, it's one thing to be criticized and judged and made, make people make you feel badly about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing for you to go and try to justify what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's the big problem here. So does God hate divorce? That is kind of the, the, the one big problem. So when you, when you're feeling so, okay. So in second Timothy four, three says for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We all have to be careful of this. This is the, the thing that I was going to talk about earlier that I'm on some of these chat boards and one guy was talking about how we need to keep the law. We need to keep the law. He's, a, he's, he's acting Jewish. He's got a yarmulke on. I've been to his YouTube <laughs> channel and he's saying Hebrewish words and he thinks he's speaking Hebrew and that we need to keep the law. And we just got done studying the book of Galatians. So I thought, wow, how appropriate right. it's, it's, it's just, we've been going back and forth. Well, obviously people have something in their mind that they want to believe. Mm-hmm. And it seems like no matter what you say, it's not going to, it's not going to change it. Yeah. And so we want to be very careful here. So when, when people are in the midst of this and in, in the middle of a divorce, you know, we know people that are actually in the middle of a divorce right now. There's, there's some things going on. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who know people who have been divorced or in the middle of, of sure. being divorced. And they don't need their criticism. But still, if, if there is something wrong going on, then we need to call a spade a spade. And right. a lot of people are like, well, you can't judge me and you just treat me like the church wouldn't, doesn't, doesn't treat me fairly. Well, if you're in sin, that is a different story. Then right. we have to rebuke that. We have to say, hey, that is wrong. You, you, need to, you need to change that. You need to come back under, under Christ. But so anyway, the, when it says it's no, not a sin, now people are like, well, where does it say it's a sin to get divorced? And, and, it's a, and I get it doesn't say getting divorced or putting away is a sin. But what does Romans one thirty one say? Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Okay, now that seems a very random verse, <laughs> yeah, right? It's out of a whole list. So uh, yeah, if you know Romans one, at the very end of Romans one is a bunch. It's a list of sins that people are either doing or they're condoning. Right. And God is going to judge that and say He doesn't like that. It, it's yeah. sin. It's yeah. bad. We're all under sin. And when we get to Romans chapter three, we get to the, we get to the point that Everybody. we're all right, right. We're all guilty. Yeah. Well, one of these sins here is covenant breakers. Now, a marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. If you get divorced, it is a covenant-breaking thing. You right. are breaking a covenant, which is very serious in God's eyes. Right. There's no way to get around that. So to say it's not a sin is kind of silly. Now, you would say, well, I had no choice in the matter. My husband filed for divorce, and I, I hadn't... I had to go along with it because I could only fight it for so long and the state gave that divorce. We understand that. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that's not, we're not talking to people who did not want it to happen, uh, but the people who actually filed and want to go through with the divorce, then you're in a dangerous place. Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to break a covenant that God, you did before God? God is going to hold you to your word yeah. and, and you're going to break that covenant. God's not a covenant breaker, right? you know, so yeah. he, he's a, that's, it's impugning on his character there. So we want to be, be very, very, very careful here. And then, then we have the big verse, right? right. Malachi. Malachi chapter two. So as I was reading this lady's thing, when you have itching ears, what do you normally do? You want to find people who will itch them for you. Say the right thing that makes you feel good about what you're doing. Well, and here's the problem. Malachi chapter two, verse 16, is it? It's 15, 16. It says 14 through 16. Well, hold on there. Don't read it quite yet. Okay. But what people would do is if they don't like it in one translation, they go to another translation. Mm. If they don't like it in that translation, they're going to find a translation that says what they want to say. That's kind of dangerous. It is very dangerous. So I went and looked at what this, this lady was saying. And the one common thread was... If you go and look at what Malachi two says two sixteen says in all the even the NIV, the NLT, the these other even modern kind of liberal translations, they all say the same thing. They right. all say the same thing. If you go back to the Hebrew, which we will cover here in just a second, there is no room for it. I mean, it, it seems like it's pretty straightforward. So they have to go back to the Geneva Bible, the Darby Bible, the Coverdale Bible the Tyndale Bible, the Wycliffe Bible. If you're not aware, these five Bibles, these were the precursors to the King James Bible. Okay. So these are old versions of those. Very old, incomplete versions, most of them. 
of of the of the English Bible. It wasn't completely compiled quite yet until 1611 when the King James version came out. It was pretty much this was the 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 new version and this was it. And the, the King James used a lot of the Tyndale, the Wycliffe, Wycliffe, uh, Wycliffe uh, Bible translations, and dark. they used a lot of their work, but a lot of those were incomplete and just right. weren't good. They didn't have all of the the Textus Receptus to work with, and I don't, I don't want to get in deep in translations here. <laughs> but so these versions, and by the way, if you go and look at the original, which we did, like when when you're looking at Darby and Wycliffe and Tyndale, it's from the 1500s. That English is almost unrecognizable it's hard to read i had you read it and you were exactly it's hard to read so these ladies i'm glad that they can interpret it which in in those versions it does say a little bit different it doesn't say god hates divorce it does say something around the lungs that he that hates his wife but the whole context of that is that god still hates that He, he does not approve of them putting away their wife the the wife was being dealt with treacherously and that the the husband was just putting her away on a whim and right. and no good reason just and a woman especially back in those days is the in the last 150 years 200 years maybe 250 i don't know it, it has changed a little bit women are in the workplace a lot more especially today they can work they can make money right. and they can provide for their own. I can make a life for myself independent of anybody. Back 400 years before Christ, when Malachi was writing this, that was not the case. No, not at all. They could work, but it wasn't their own money. It was in their husband's control. They couldn't just move out on their own. And that was scandalous if you could move out on your own. Right. And because if your husband left you divorced, you had to move back to your father's house. And for the most part, there might have been a few exceptions here or there, but for the most part, it was either your husband or your father's house. There was no woman's home here or, you know, (laughs) women didn't just hang out and live. So it was, it was devastating for, it was devastating for women to be put away. And notice that in Malachi, even in those old, old, old translations, it was a judgment against the husbands. So it was interesting that they would pull that out. That that was God's heart towards this subject. And so it seems like it's a justification for people who are getting divorced. Nowadays, women can put men away. And But anyway, let's read from the King James uh, what the Malachi, read it a little bit in context. So you're going to go from 14 to 16? Yes. Okay, go ahead and read it. It says, Yet ye say, Wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. Right. So in that context there, as you're reading it, it's pretty clear how God feels. Yeah. Right. And he does not, he does not like divorce. Right. He doesn't like the, the separation. What's going on here? The, the guys are putting away their women for whatever reason. They're dealing yeah. treacherously. The whole point was he's making them one to bring forth a godly seed. Right. Children. Right. And yeah. you do that with a husband and wife. And, uh, mm. so let's go. So just for those who are like, ah, King James, whatever. Well, if you go into the Hebrew and now I can't read Hebrew, I'm not a, a, a Hebrew person here, but, um, let's see here. Oh, I lost it. So they were saying, well, it's, it's a, they mistranslated it. All the modern translations, the King James all mistranslate. If you go back to Darby, if you have to search that far back, you're, you're struggling here. Right. And even if you go back here, uh, the first words here in, and I don't even know Hebrew all that well, but let's see here. Let me find it here. Some for somehow I, uh, I went to the wrong one, right? Yeah, I think you're on 15. You need to go to 16. There we go. 16. That makes more sense. But the first thing here is Jehovah Elohim Israel. You tell me what that means and you don't even have a Hebrew degree, but everybody knows what Jehovah Elohim Israel means. Right. Sounds like Lord God of Israel. For the Lord the God of Israel. 
and then Amar, Sain, uh, that he hates, putting away. So it, it is pretty clear, according to the uh, Hebrew, that yeah. he hates divorce. He hates putting away, as the King right. James puts, puts it as putting away. Right. In the other translations, it is divorce. We know what putting away is. Uh, he hates it. Yeah. It is a terrible thing. Now, you have Matthew... Uh, which one are you going to read, Matthew or Mark? Mark? Yeah, I'm going to read Mark. Okay, go ahead. Which one are you going to read? Mark 10, 5 through 12. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept, but from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter, and he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a wife, and if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. It seems pretty clear there. Right. I don't know what version yeah. you're using, but to me that seems pretty clear. God has made this. He started from Adam and Eve. It's pretty clear that he's created this union where, where men and women become one flesh. They right. become one. Well, and it says God joins them together. So yes. that's pretty. So, and then if you break that, I know in the ceremonies, let no man. Put us under. What, what what God puts together. I think it actually says it there. Yeah. But if so, don't break it. And they said, if a, if a wife leaves a husband and you're committing adultery. Now I know there's some exception things there, but right. what I want to focus on is the hardness of the heart that, that Jesus talks about in Matthew. He was talking about Moses gave you this because of the hardness of your heart and that was, but it wasn't to be this way from the beginning. It was right. Adam and Eve, right? Right. Yep. So I talked to you this about this a couple years ago and you weren't quite sure about it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it here. So the hardness of the heart, that is, that is interesting terminology, right? Yeah. It, it's would seem that if I cheat on you and then I'm like, I want to put you away that the hardness would be on me. I have a hard heart because I cheated on you, right? Would make sense. <laughs> but it's also in the flip way too, the, that if you cheat on me mm -hmm. and, or you do something against me and I put you away, I try to put you away, um, or no, if I, if, if I don't forgive you, then my hardness of heart of not forgiving you leads to divorce. Like I am right. not willing to forgive you because you are not doing what I want you to do. Yeah. You are either you're cheating on me or even back in Israel when they, you, you could, it didn't have to be adultery. It could just be for whatever reason. They right. just start putting their wives away. The hardness can go both ways. If I have an unforgiving heart, I have a hard heart. Yeah. That is, that's kind of the problem here. So yes, people mess up and be like, well, you don't understand my husband, uh, my husband cheated on me. I'm like, yes. And that is very difficult and very hard. But you has not who he if you haven't sinned, let throw him the, cast the first stone. Yeah. Throw right. the first stone. Right. Let it let it go. What have you done that has been so perfect? You know, so yeah. we have to remember that we both in, in this relationship of marriage have to forgive one another constantly. Now, granted, if you're constantly cheating on me, uh, <laughs> it's time maybe to rethink this thing. Right. There are things that are permittable. There right. are things that are permittable in scripture. You know, if, if there is adultery involved, you can move on. Right. And, but there are certain things we're not necessarily going to get into it of how, how that goes about. So if kind of like in Corinthians, if you, if, if an unbeliever leaves you let them and you're free, right. um, if there, there's other ones that if, if you did have a husband that committed adultery, you are free, or there's some ones that if you do leave, do not marry, you know, stay single. There's a couple of different things in, in the Bible as we read that are kind of directing us in that, in that way. But the fact that, that we obviously see that God's heart in this matter, right? Yeah. he does not want us to divorce. This nope. is, this is a terrible thing. And I think everybody knows that they see that in, in, the people that are involved, right? You yeah. see that the, the actual husband and wife situation, when they get involved, when they get divorced, how many husband wives that have been divorced do you see that are just so happy and fulfilled <laughs> later in life? 
Not so much. And the stats would say otherwise. <laughs> Most of them end up being very bitter. Right. Now, obviously, some move on and get remarried and they say, oh, I am happy. But then you as you get to know them more, there's a lot of baggage there. There's yeah. a lot of issues still there. And they ha- usually have problems in their second marriage, too. It, it, it's a terrible cycle that goes right. on. And so just by getting divorced doesn't cure the problem. Nope, not at all. I was actually reading this week and they say second marriages, they have a much higher Yep. percentage of divorce and third even higher so no wonder but I find it interesting you know when you talk about the hardness of heart and I'm just thinking in the life of a Christian our hearts should not be hard like that no, doesn't we were, sound good at all we were going to get to that in just a second uh so remind me on the the hardness of heart because uh, we're going to talk about what our response is to this okay and so it hurts the people it hurts the children the children are hurt the most Probably because they're innocent in all yeah. this. Yeah. Most likely. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were the cause of it. I don't know. <laughs> but most likely they are the innocent ones. I, I actually come from a house that is separated. They're divorced. Right. And now, fortunately, my, my dad, who I call my dad, is the one who raised me. I don't know my biological dad. And so I didn't have that issue of going back and forth and back and forth. But I will tell you, growing up in that situation, it was a little bit difficult. It was, I always knew that I didn't belong. Now, my dad would say, no, that's nonsense. And I know that's nonsense that, of course, I, I know I, I belong to him. But I'm talking about in the outside circles that people would kind of just look at, oh, yeah, kind of pity wise. And I remember growing up in church and they were like, if you're from a family of divorced, raise your hand. And I'm like, I'm like the only one here, man. Every year you ask this, and here I am raising my hand again. Now, by the time I graduated high school, it was like 50%. I was going to say, there were more hands going up, I'm sure, Yes, there was, and that's very unfortunate. But it does feel, as a child, you feel, you feel, I don't know how you feel. (laughs) I mean, I I should know how I feel, right? (laughs) But you feel rejected. You feel there's a lot of things that you're going through, and every kid... Uh, feels differently, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Especially in the situation. Like mine, my biological dad was out of the picture, so I actually think that was easier for me to deal with. Yeah, probably. That probably helped because not being back and forth, back and forth, trying to live two different ways with two different families. Right. (laughs) That's got to be tough. We still just had one way, and me and my sister were were there, and then, of course, I had other sisters, and... They're my half sisters, but they're my sisters, right? right. So yeah. I mean, they're my that's my family, and I didn't have to have two families and go back and forth. It wasn't confusing, but most families that is the scenario. Yeah. When we flew to Pittsburgh, we sat next to this kid, and we you asked him like, "Where's he going?" He's like, "Oh, I'm going to fly to visit my dad." Yeah. And he was from California or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember where. And he was staying with his mom, and he's got to go back with his with his dad. And it's it just it's a it's a pull on the kids, and yeah, for it's, sure. it's it's not good for them. It's well, not good for society. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, there's a reason that God gives kids to a mom and a dad. I think right. you know we both play different parts in our kids' lives. You know, usually moms are more nurturing and just have a different aspect in a kid's life and dads have their part and to just have one or the other. I mean, some kids just grow up with the one parent and the other one's gone and they don't have somebody replace that. And so the kids grow up with a great empty spot in their lives where it should have been with a mom and a dad. Right. I can be bold and say this, that I don't care if you're a single dad or a single mom, you cannot do both roles. No, it's impossible. It's Mm -hmm. too much work and you are not the perfect person. Not to say that a husband and wife together make a perfect person, but it God's plan is perfect. Right. And he knows what he was doing by bringing a husband and a wife together to bring the attributes of a woman, the attributes of a man and bringing them together and to bring forth a godly seed. Like it said in Malachi chapter two. Right. So obviously it affects society and that's secondary sin always affects society i (laughs) don't care what it is it doesn't make it better (laughs) no it doesn't with adulteries out there and it's it's terrible uh but god's picture of covenant that's where i think this is the biggest problem is that god is a god of covenant and he god made a covenant with israel and jesus christ is a picture of the church now is 
is Christ going to divorce the church? Is he going to put us away? We have a hope that he does not. Right. We have a promise that he doesn't. And that's our hope that we won't leave him. He won't leave us. And even if we do leave him, he is faithful right. and comes after us yeah. and, and brings us back home. And you know, like, well, you can't leave him. I, I get it. I'm just saying for those who think that they can leave and whatever. Right. I'm not trying to bring a Calvinistic argument in here right now. <laughs> but for the sake of all the arguments, it's like we could leave for a season or we could leave. I, I don't know. We, we can have these times. But God is always faithful. He comes back. So anyway, uh, why don't we take a quick break, Joshua, and when we come back, we will talk about our response and how do we respond to these things, because that is where it gets a little tricky. Yeah. And I think this is where the post on Facebook was, where they have a problem with how the church actually responds. And so we'll talk about that. All, All right. right. We'll be back. The Mike Charleston Podcast. The Mike Charleston Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you would like to be a part of this show and want to have questions or comments read on the show, please email us at talk at fellowshipofbelievers.org. That is talk at fellowshipofbelievers.org. Thank you very much. talking about divorce and that doesn't that's not the most encouraging topic is it babe no not at all but, but it important is, it is something we have to face let's be fair 50 percent of marriages about half the marriages are ending in divorce right and even in the church it yeah. is not a very good thing but we are going to be talking about our response to it so how do we respond as christians now granted look there is plenty of sins in the church right for sure divorce is not the only thing going no. on uh, there are issues that are going on. We're dealing with families constantly that their marriages are in a struggle. And in the middle of that, it, it, and divorce is not part of their language right now. Right. But there, there is some sin going on. Right. You, you know, it's right. hard to pinpoint it because it's selfishness. They, they are being selfish at some point, and that's why it's not going very smoothly. And a lot of people have a hard time listening to us because we do seem to have a very very good marriage and we they just can't relate we're like well miss perfect over there you know she can't relate and mr perfect over there and they can get very sarcastic but we have had our issues we've had to yeah. deal with things we've had to learn how to gel together and and meld together and all those words it takes work for everybody and we may have found it to be maybe not as hard as other people, but it's still been work that well, we've had to do. The biggest key, and I know people are going to be, mock me when I say this, but please, uh, hopefully you understand what I'm saying, is you love Jesus. Just as simple as that. Love Jesus. You're yeah. going to love your neighbor. And when you love your neighbor, that includes your spouse, your right. husband, your wife. Yeah. It is going to come out in your life. Now, I understand that is very difficult at times, yeah. but that is where it comes out the most in your home. Your Christianity is going to show itself the most at home, Absolutely. how you treat your wife, how you treat your kids. And then it's going to go to your workplace or your neighbors, depending on who you spend more time with, but probably your workplace. Right. How do you treat your coworkers? How do you treat those people? If love is coming out, then I doubt you'll have problems if love is going both ways. Right. Now, workplace, that probably doesn't happen, but it should happen in the home. Now, you can't control the other side. You can't tro you control the, I can't control you. And I can't control you. Right. So if you choose not to love or choose to be kind of cantankerous and... and <laughs> Dripping faucet. And you, sure, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I can't control that. And so I have to figure a way how to even love you more to draw that out of you. So this is the kind of the problem that people are going through divorce or already divorced. And I think a lot of divorced people in church are at this stage where they feel judged. Right. They feel like second class Christians. I know my dad did. My dad married my mom. My dad was never divorced. My, my dad mm. married a divorced woman. Mm. My dad could not be on church leadership because of that. It was a church rule. 
And he could be on the financial board, which he was, but he couldn't be a deacon. He couldn't be an elder. He couldn't be anything else because he married a divorced woman. He married a divorced woman who wasn't even a Christian at the time. They became Christians later. Right. And so but he felt like he had a mark or he did have a mark like because he couldn't. Yeah, according to the church, he could not. He was like a second class Christian. Right. And so I can see where, where it's coming from. And I, and I pity that. I mean, like, yeah, I get it. I understand that. Um, in the same way that we kind of treat people with other kinds of sins. Right. We they're lepers. Right. Yeah. They're there until you prove that this is over. Now, I'm not trying to preach lawlessness here. If you are, if you're committing a sin, you need to repent. And there was this one lady that is in the middle of a divorce and I'm, I went up to her and told her she needs to repent. Now she got all worked up about it and like, well, I can't believe. And I'm like, literally, that is what I'm saying. You filed for divorce. You need to change your mind, change the direction that you're headed. Right. The actual term, repent. And I'm not saying you need to repent of your feelings, of your what, how you feel that you've been done wrong. Right. I'm not saying you can't re, you don't repent for that. I'm saying you need to repent. You need to undo this divorce. We can work things out. We can we can get your husband together and we can work these things out. But she was really upset that I told her to repent. <laughs> And because she felt like, oh, so you're saying it's my fault. I said, did I say that? You're the one who filed. Right. You need to stop this. Right. And then we can work it out. So. Well, but it's an important point because we all rub shoulders with people that are probably going through divorce or people who have been divorced and we don't know how to deal with them. And I know, especially like our kids, we teach them about the value of marriage and how to have a good marriage and you just love God and that love can pour out to your spouse and all that. And so they have this perfect ideal of like what marriage is supposed to be. So then when you see less than that, and especially in the church, right, you don't know how to respond. You don't know what you, you know, how can you just carry on and like act like that's not there. So and quite honestly, do? I don't know how to act. I <laughs> right. mean, seriously, because I'll get to that part, but our first and foremost responsibility, I don't know if you have that verse right there, uh, is the ministry of reconciliation. You didn't print that out, did I you? Yeah. Okay. Second Corinthians 518. Why don't you go ahead and read that? And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, once again, the ministry of reconciliation, he is reconciled to us, right? Unto right. us, to him. And so in the same way, in the same manner, we reconcile, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Now that is a key point. That is everyone, every believer out there is a minister. Right. Should be. Right. Yeah, they, that's they, what it says. Right. We, we have the ministry. You're like, I want to be in the ministry. Like you are. Right. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Like, well, what are you talking about? This world needs reconciliation, whether right. it's witnessing to people, telling them about the Lord and, and they need to be freed from their sins. Yeah. Or if it's just a relationship thing, you need to reconcile with one another. We have been given that ministry of reconciliation that starts in the home. Yeah. It branches out from there. And if we can understand that, hey, this is what we've been called to do. We haven't been called to give up. We haven't been nope. called to just wait. This is too difficult. You don't understand. He's, he's, he's brutal. Well, there is a time of separation if he's physically beating you or whatever, but it is as still the goal is reconciliation. Yeah. Now that may not happen. It, it, eventually that still may come to a place where it separates the, the marriage is broken because of infidelity and just other issues. It may come to that. Right. But that is our main goal is the ministry of reconciliation. Right. Now that can come across as very judging <laughs> because we don't want to hear their story. That's not true. We want to do what God wants and God right. wants healing. God yeah. is a God of healing. God brings restoration. When we sin, he doesn't just give up on us. Right. He cleanses us. He brings us back to him. So all those things we're supposed to do one to another. Right. So, so God wants husbands and wives to be back together. And even husbands and wives that are at odds with each other and have had all the issues they've had. Ultimately, we know that what God wants is for them to be together. Right. And so here's the problem in the church or in your friends or your circles or whatever you have. It is how do you deal? So here's the situation. OK. OK. Person A and person B are married. So they're married and person A files for divorce for, from person B. 
and person A decides to marry person C and happens to be in the same church. This is uh, algebra <laughs> equation here. And so A and A and C get married. So B kind of feels like this is awkward. So they leave the church. They go to a different church. Or maybe they stay. I don't know. Depends on how big the church is, maybe. So, yeah, that's true. A and C now are married. How do we deal with that? It's like it's not right. We don't like it. He's the one who put his wife away right. for, for no good reason. We're assuming at this, this point that wasn't uh, infidelity involved. It, just because they just can't get along. Uh, the number one reason now is not money. It's what? Incompatibility. That is nonsense. Yeah. It is utter one. nonsense. Then second is infidelity. I'm not sure if that's two or three, but infidelity and money problems are the yeah, next money was two third. I remember that. that. I was like, okay. ooh, it got dropped down to number three. How about that? <laughs> it's uh it's down on the Casey Kasem chart. It is number three now. But incompat incompatibility being the first is just it's nonsense. Yeah. It's uh, we're incompatible. What what does that have to do with anything? The incompatibility has nothing to do with love. Right. But but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Now I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just got off on that. But uh, so, yeah, you have these people in the church. So, so what do we do with the person A and person right, C? Right. That is now? the frustration, because as much as I, I hate what goes on, that that person just utterly destroyed his wife's life, put her away. Right. And how do you repent from that? If he got remarried, how do you repent from that? I know in the Mennonite circles, they say, well, you're supposed to divorce that one, go back to your original one. That's not very biblical. No, that and doesn't work either. And it causes more problems. <laughs> now you does. got more divorce, and it just doesn't fix the issues. Right. And what if they're, they don't want to leave their original? So it, it, you just have so many more, more issues. So obviously, in those circles, you know, a person can really come to them, their senses and say, you know what, I really did something wrong here. But what are they going to do? They have to love their current wife. Right. their current husband in that situation. And uh, we've got to stop this cycle, though. That's why we, we preach what the Bible teaches on marriage. And we, we're very strong on what God says about marriage. We understand there's a lot of issues out there. We, we don't want yeah. to pretend like there's not issues and there's people that, I already made a mistake. What do I do? Right. Well, God is good. God is gracious. And he's forgiving don't get a divorce from them to go back to the original one. You make the best of this marriage. Just realize you will have trouble in the flesh. But there are, it's hard to deal with that. All right. So, I mean, on a practical, on a practical side, so those people are in your church. Do you just have them over for lunch and, you know, try to enjoy fellowship with them? Or does there have to be a, at some point, somebody going to them and saying what you did was wrong? But I mean, at this point, you can't make it right. But we just want you to know that what you did was wrong. Is that Well, the problem is most of them don't even think that what they did was wrong. They'll be like, well, it was my, my husband or my wife. Right. They're the ones who wronged me. Yeah. And when you dig deeper, you find out that there was no infidelity. Even though they'll be like, well, he was looking at porn. I'm like, there was no infidelity. Exactly. That's, that's adultery of the heart. But he didn't actually uh, sleep with another woman. Big that's difference. A, it's a huge difference. Uh, uh, justifying the other one. Right. <laughs> that's just as it's bad. Right. But it's not infidelity in that way. And and so you have these 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 other issues. So I don't. I really don't know. It's hard to. I want to be gracious. I want to be forgiving and loving because God is. Right. And but these people have to realize that they they have to they have to repent. But basically they just have to have godly sorrow at this point cuz repenting would actually be to divorce and go back to right. their they other, can't undo you're it not going to do point. that. You can't undo it. So you're not going to do that. So you be basically or you realize that hey, I was wrong and that there's nothing I can do now. Right. And and so well what was to stop people from just getting divorced and then later on? Well, because it creates a hard heart and yeah. you really want to go down that road where you're having a hard heart, where you get to that place where you're divorcing someone. The Bible says it's because of the hardness of your heart. Do you really want to have a hard heart? Nope. Because at that point, I don't trust any of your decisions. Right. You have a hard heart and, and a hard heart. The Bible doesn't speak very well of having a hard heart. No, it doesn't. In Hebrews, it talks about, being deceived by sin, creating a hard heart. Right. So if you're making your decisions on sin and hard heartedness, then your next decisions probably aren't going to be good either. Right. So there's probably other things that are in people's lives, but we know people who have been remarried yeah. and actually have a, have a decent marriage 
uh, once they've been remarried. But there's problems. There's always going to be problems. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this is this is hard. We just because you have been divorced. By the way, let me say this: just because you have been divorced does not make you a leper. Right. You know, it, that it doesn't. Is true. You, it isn't the unpardonable sin. No, nope. God still loves you. We should still love you. We still just have to realize it is hard. Just like if if your your kid did a sin that is very hurtful to you. And it's very hard to build that relationship up again. You have to realize that this is a major sin that is obvious. Right. It sticks out like a sore thumb. You can't really hide this one because one day you were with Susie and now three years later, it's like, well, where did Sharon come from? You know, it's <laughs> like, well, what happened to Susie or whatever I said, <laughs> Susie. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Sally's now in the picture and then, or was it Sharon? I don't remember. <laughs> Wow, it gets very confusing, I see. It's getting too many in here. And so we have a problem. Uh, so no, it, it, being gracious and loving and forgiving is always a good thing. Yeah, And dealing with those people, especially in the church. Now, it doesn't mean that we just don't hold them accountable. We still need to hold people, sin and, and wrongdoing still need to be held accountable. But once you've said your piece, and if they don't, hear you on this and they're like, I don't care what I did. I don't, I don't, my husband was wrong and I, I was right to leave him or my, my wife was wrong and I was right. To, she just annoyed me. That's, that's not a good biblical grounds to leave just because she was annoying or because she was, it goes back to Malachi chapter two. You're, you're treating her treacherously. Women can be annoying. Women can be very annoying. Men can be insensitive. Men can be very insensitive and, and, and annoying and women right. can be insensitive and right. they're not mutually exclusive, but in that our job is the ministry of reconciliation, right. reconciling one another. Now it is hard because one, it feels like people are taking sides yeah. and, and that's, that's the problem in a church. It feels like people are taking sides and it's not, it's not right to take sides, is it? No, not at all. So anyway, I don't know how else to respond to that because it's, well, what do you do? Now, 1 Corinthians 7, I didn't want to necessarily go here, but it says, why don't you read it? Because you're a good reader. I'm not a very good reader. (laughs) And unto the married, I command you, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Right. So that is, remain, there are certain things that happen that, if you, there's certain things where it's okay to, to leave. Yeah. And, and that's kind of out of context. We don't hear the whole context, but some, some of them are unbelievers and they want to put their wife away or their husband, whatever. They want to leave because they're not believers. And they said, that's okay. You haven't sinned. Just go. The fact that it says you haven't sinned should show that other divorce could be sin. Not okay. all divorce is sin. Not all of it is. But if you're the cause of it, if you're the one who is seeking it out, and uh, wanting to end this covenant, you should check yourself in the mirror and say, well, I'm only breaking it because my husband is unfaithful. Okay, well, then he's the covenant breaker too, but you are also breaking the covenant. Right. God doesn't break our covenant when we sin. We have a hard heart. So it's not easy. Trust me, I I guess I don't know this, but (laughs) as I say, trust me, I know. But actually, I don't know. Because I have a very faithful, loving wife that's on the podcast with me right now. So I better say that, right? Right, exactly. Well no, said. It's, it's something that I hope to never face. I hope it's, it's probably the same thing for you. Absolutely. This is something that we, we have a very blessed marriage. We have a marriage that is very good. And we have children that we love. So yeah. this is something that is very difficult for us to relate with people on. Right. We try to relate. We try to give advice. We try to help as much as possible. But honestly, it's we have to be empathetic because it's nothing that we're going through. Right. So this is a struggle sometimes because you just see truth and you see what's right and you want people to live by that. And when they don't, you judge them. Yeah. I mean, right. Right. And it's it's easy to do, but it isn't until you walk a mile in their shoes. That is a, a that's a good way to be empathetic that 
it works for me that I tried to get myself in their position, in their in their life, in their situation, right. and like, okay, how bad is it? Now, let's be fair. In America, we are weak. We are very, <laughs> very, very weak. Very weak. <laughs> but there are legitimate people suffering, right. and it's, it's very difficult. And relationship issues are always difficult. Yeah. For sure. I don't care how affluent, I don't care how wealthy or whatever yeah. the situation is, or how poor you are. It, well, it's so personal, so it hurts deep. It's, yes. It's, yeah, it's All very hard. Personal relationships can be painful. Right. And because they're personal. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that reminds me like we just finished going through Galatians, and in chapter six, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right. So on Sunday, I was asking some of the ladies what, what that means to them because we are to bear the burdens of those in our church and to try to help. And, you know, those people out there and there, there are people who are suffering and some are suffering wrongfully and, you know, marriages that aren't doing well. And so it is something we need to seek to do to try to see how can we help to bear their burdens. Yeah. And this is before they even get divorced. Right. Like we should be in people's lives to yeah. where we know that something's going on. And what can I do to help? I'm not right. here to say, hey, I've got it all together. I'm not going to bother with you. This is something the body of Christ needs to do. The body of Christ is, it's not just a pastor's job. Right. This is the body of Christ that I can get to know this person. And I just had a conversation with a guy at church and he opened up and it's, it's tough. Yeah. Relationships are tough. Yeah. You're dealing with another human being that has their own will their own desires, their own thoughts. You have your thoughts and guess what? Sometimes they collide yep. and it is very difficult. So relationships can really be painful and really hurt. And so I'm not just trying to say this frivolously and like get over it and be tough. It hurts. Right. And, but our job still is to, like you say, bear one another's burdens before it gets worse. How can I help them? Can I be a blessing to them? I don't want to sit there and just, I knew it. I knew it. That right. person, I just, I could see it for you. Well, if you could see it for years then shame on you for not helping. Yeah. You'd be like, I, you know, when the, the, the terrible ones are the ones that just shock you and kind of like out of nowhere and be like, what, what was going on Right. that we did not see this. And it's like, well, what, what can we do now? It's almost too late. And it's yeah. like, oh my goodness, I wish I could help. And, uh, that, those are the ones that are tough, but the one, if, if you're, if you're arrogant enough to be like, yeah, 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 I knew it. I knew it. Those people are just, they're always fighting. They're always, well, then you should have stepped in in some way and right. tried to help. Yep. Right. Absolutely. To fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love on your, one another. Hope they were on your prayer list. If you saw it coming, <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. That's the least we can do. Right. Right. Is pray for one another. And if you see it, instead of gossiping about them and, and saying, yeah, yeah, well, if she would just relax a little bit more and she's so uptight, it wouldn't be so bad. Or if he would just, you know, love his wife a little bit, right. pray, yep. pray for them yep. and then seek God of how can I be a blessing to these people? God does not like divorce. I think that is pretty clear all through scripture. He's not a covenant breaker. He wants his people for himself. And, and same thing with husband and wife. We should desire that. We should desire reconciliation. We should desire healing. We should start re, re, desire restoration. Yeah. And we, we should decide, we should desire, I can't say that. We should desire peace. Right. And yeah. we can't have fake peace. We need the Prince of Peace. And so husband and wife, if you're out there thinking about this and like, okay, well, man, my marriage is very difficult right now. You know what? The best advice I can give you is love Jesus. Love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. Just focus on Jesus. And then that love will come out. Yeah. Now, it may take some time, but God will show you. And you're like, well, you don't understand. Well, no, you don't understand. The love of Jesus coming out of your life will be a bright light. And your husband, your wife, whatever, will notice will notice it'll be sincere when you when you do it from from a love of jesus so focus on christ it's not easy it's difficult yeah. you want you want that cheerleader in your corner and it's not there right but but god's in your corner yeah god of the universe that created everything is is there with you so fall fall at his feet love him and 
and wife, same thing. Love him, and God can restore. God is a God of miracles. Absolutely. I am amazed. I am literally amazed when I see a relationship totally destroyed, and they get back together. Yeah. Like, how is that even possible? Yep. I, I just couldn't imagine just because, man, it, just some of the things that they go through. But God is a God of miracles. So I, I just I pray that someone out there, hopefully this some, helps someone. Yeah. And, and, and God forbid that we are judgmental. I mean, all these sins, we're not perfect. Nope, just we've, people. That's right. We've been, made, we've been made perfect in his sight, but we are not perfect people. And we, we do make mistakes. And we need grace. We need forgiveness. So just remember that. Not to say to tolerate sin. We still need to call a spade a spade right. and say, hey, this is still sin. We need to fix this. But we fix it because we love. Yeah. Not because I'm like, I'm better than you and I have nothing to do with you because now you're divorced. No, 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 no. There's still people. They still need love. Right. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, I think that's it. Uh, we're trying to beat some guests coming here. So they should be here any minute. So hopefully they're not here because we've never actually met these people. But our, our um, oh, what's his name? Our consultant or whatever his name is. But he's, uh, he sent him along, and if he sent him along, he's probably good enough for us. So uh, we got to meet him at the door here pretty soon. So maybe we should end this, and thank you for listening. I know this is a different kind of topic, but maybe this will bless someone. Maybe we can save some marriages and, and not let them be deceived that and change. Like, well, God really doesn't hate divorce. He only hates the, the men who are perpetuating this. And, and he hates that too. I mean, right. He hates sin. <laughs> doesn't like any of it. But God does hate divorce. So try to reconcile whatever you can. So anyway, thank you, babe, for joining us. All right. Glad I always to be like here. talking with you and doing a podcast with you. My wife is way more organized than, than I am. And she can get the points and, uh, uh, what is it? The outline a lot yeah. better than, than I can. And she has a lot, her thoughts are more organized than mine. Uh, I don't know about that, but maybe at least on paper, I guess. I like to outward process a little bit more than you. And eventually I get my thoughts, but my thoughts are all over the place. If you, if you watch my notes, my notes are all over the page yeah. and you can't make sense of them. No. So I just try to, I've learned to like, when you're talking, I'm like, Ooh, let me quick write that down. Cause I won't remember either. I don't have a good memory. So right. if I don't write it down, it's gone. But a lot, you say a lot of good things. Do I? <laughs> I like well, to get them down. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate that. All right. You got bonus points there. All right. Yay. Yeah. So anyway, we get look forward to our, what is for supper tonight? Oh, we're going to have fish. Fish. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I love fish. But it's going to be good fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be good. Is it fried fish? No. No, 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 no. Just big fish. I can smell it. It smells good. The kids are up there making it. So. Yes. Fish, fish, fish. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. I, I'm a good soldier. I, you know what? I complain sometimes about what we eat and all that, but you know what? I eat everything that you make and I put on my a plate and I give you a hard time about some of that stuff, but I really don't like fish. Yeah. I, I really well, don't. This will be a stretch. I do like those sardine sandwiches that you make and that, that blows people away. Like you don't like fish, but you'll but eat you sardines. Like sardines. I know it sounds weird. Well, it's an avocado thing with sardines and I put tons of hot sauce. Yeah. Well, that you does put hot help. sauce on your fish. It doesn't work that okay, way. Well. Maybe I'll try. I don't know. <laughs> so, all right, Joshua, I think uh, this is enough time. So let's go ahead and get out of here. Thank you again for listening. And this is the Mike Charleston podcast. You've been listening to the Mike Charleston podcast.